0: Yeah. Is she from England as well?
1: No, no. Born and bred here and... uh, Is her name Steph? Yeah. How did you pick that up? I remember you mentioned it once. Oh, okay. You've got a good memory. Yeah, she... um, Born in Surrey, but she's lived in Fort Langley all her life. So uh, she was working for McDonald Detweiler, uh, what, 99, 98, 99. I lost track of time. And they got a contract with the British government to set something up. And so she went out as a team of seven. And I, I built their office building for them in the UK. Oh cool, just how we met, yeah came back here in o two and nice you know ever since so what long was it? ever since so
0: what was it like growing up in England?
1: different to here in some ways i uh I have one of those looking back kind of very innocent idyllic childhoods uh early years i my my father worked for one of the big banks and they're now in b h s b c but we started life in yorkshire and on the moors adjacent to the moors. So I just remember running around the moors. We lived next to a farm, you know, so there was sheep over the hill sort of thing, but then uh, moved down to London and just, but I grew up in the countryside. So what is the moors? Oh, Ilkley Moor. It's, there's nothing like it here. (laughs) It's, uh, if you imagine New Zealand, the low lying, but it's, it's, um, uh heather and all of this just completely growing over basically rock formations there's no the only thing that will grow on it's sheep so lots of sheep farming up there but uh we used to have a lot of fun like climates changed there too but i remember every year was snow and you'd go out into the fields and we had rock walls right old dry stone walls and the drifts literally build tunnels. I'd be gone all day just tunnelling through the snow <laughs> drifts. So uh, it's very different to here. Um we've got mountains here. We don't have anything like this. So uh my I I like being outdoors, but my my, my love for mountains and skiing meant I was going to the down to the Alps once a year to get skiing dose. But yeah. Um other than that I lived in the countrysides and just got up to typical in those days, youthful mischief. Um, How bad was it? What was the worst? I didn't do anything illegal. <laughs> I, I never got in trouble. Well, actually, that might be true because the pubs there worked differently. So I did do something illegal. Were so you stuck in? Oh, not just snuck in. We would be locked in. Um, oh. <laughs> in the Back in those days, the pubs could host private parties after closing time. and It used to be 11 o'clock. So they'd just shut the door. So, you know, 16 years old, just get locked in.
0: Good problem to have when you're 16.
1: Yes. Yeah. Our, drink, our drinking laws are a little bit more liberal, but there's also a, a bit more of a broader tolerance of alcohol, I think, in Europe as a whole. Definitely. So ordering a pint at 16 or having your dad say, go and get another round was yeah. quite normal and the landlord would serve you. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't well over here. No,
0: um, It's like that yeah. a lot of places. I, I remember I watched the Blue Zones and, you know, in some European uh, cultures, you know, even even kids would be served a glass of red wine with their mm-hmm. meal.
1: Like, it oh, was. absolutely, from about the age of a ten or eleven. Yeah, I'd start with you know half an inch of wine and water, and then it became an inch, and then yeah. Before I was ready for uni, I, I knew I'd have a drink and not get stupid about it. So, did you
0: go to uh, one of those English boarding schools?
1: I did. Yes. Classic. <laughs> How was that? All, all boys? Uh, actually. <laughs> It's it's a co-ed, but it's not co-ed like we would see it, where it's completely mixed. boy school, girl school. And you only became co-ed in the sixth form. Uh, I didn't board all the time. I only boarded for a few weeks in total. A um, couple of times, actually, with snowstorms, where just transportation was shut down. And so I just stayed. And, uh, and another time, my, my father had to travel for work, and my, my mom went with him, and I got to stay. It was a lot of fun.
0: What did your dad do?
1: So he was a banker. Uh uh, don't ask me exactly what he did. He just played with numbers all day, which uh the yeah, he worked for what used to be called Midland Bank is now called HSBC. In the UK, they bought it out and he did everything. He worked agricultural division, mining division. He just one of the sort of you know, the management programs where they move them around every three, four years. Yeah. So we got to move around a bit. Like I say, we started life in Yorkshire and ended up in the home counters, which is sort of surrounding London. And, um, yeah, just, yeah, he, he worked hard, really hard. And I always said, oh, I'm never going to, when I, when I get a job, I'm not going to work as hard as he does. And I hindsight, I probably do certainly on hours anyway. So that's life.
0: The school, was it like, uh, how different was it than Harry Potter?
1: <laughs> no, that's <awesome. laughs> Hogwarts. Ah, uh, let's think about that. So, um, the reason I hesitate is because we actually wore gowns. <laughs> uh, if you were a pre- prefect, which, yeah, and, and so I was a prefect in sixth form and we wore gowns.
0: What Just, does prefect mean?
1: Uh, how do I describe prefect? So you were considered responsible, uh-huh. with the commas looking back, Um but you would be everything from, um, you might be looking after a junior class. So the teachers got their breaks, especially in bad weather, the kids were indoors and it was your job to police them basically. Uh, but you got involved in a variety of other things too. We had a, we were, we were you'd call it the milit- equivalent of a cadet school here. We had a cadet force and I was yeah. actually uh, in, in the cadets, I was in the RAF section, the Air Force section. So I, I was actually, uh, there we go you got the definition on the screen. Yeah.
0: Prefect is, in some schools, a senior student authorized to enforce discipline. Yes. Did you do that? Did you spank some
1: kids? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't uh, the paddle. politically correct even then. Oh, no, yeah. but the slipper was still, and and the, the slipper. Belt, they were still technically allowed.
0: Slipper and belt.
1: Yeah. Our school didn't do it, but I know of other people and others that got that. Yeah. Um, you'd have had to really step down the line. But there was detention and lines, which was the most... Dumbass thing ever. Like literally, you know, write a hundred times. I will not talk in class or whatever it was. Yeah. And it actually, drew, my mom was a teacher, but it even drove her nuts. It was pointless. Did you get
0: spanked at home? I did. So, oh,
1: I, yeah, it, that's what it was in those days. Yeah, it was. You were bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, I was the oldest of three. So I was always blazing the trail. So I always got in <laughs> trouble. I um, always
0: make an example of you.
1: Uh, yeah, it worked. My brother towed the line every way.
0: I bet. Doesn't oh yeah.
1: That. Yeah. No, he was, he was, he was, he's super intelligent compared to me. He's a scientist, just different level, but my sister and I definitely yeah, blazed our trails. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But my mom was a real spanker too, <laughs> I because she's from New Zealand and, and went to a private school and yep. they were kind of old school, I think with discipline, um, or I was just bad. But, uh, I remember the last time she did it. She broke the wooden spoon over my butt. Oh, boy. I don't I don't remember how old I was. I must have been, you know, getting kind of big and she was having to hit harder and harder. And whether it affected her like, uh, oh, I must be hitting him too hard or feeling like I better just give up because he's just too big. I was, I was probably <laughs> laughing in her face at the time or something at a certain point. Uh, oh. That capital punishment or whatever they want to call it. It doesn't, doesn't work anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, we definitely got the slipper a few times. Didn't break it. I did have one funny incident actually at school. So I admit I was turning around nattering to the guy behind me because I'd know the teacher was speaking about something irrelevant to me anyway. And uh, old Victorian school, so you got glass on the outside, glass corridor. and He picked up the blackboard rubber to throw at me, and as I turned around, I saw it coming, ducked, and it went straight through the glass into the corridor. <laughs> he he got in some shit for that one. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: My mom got kicked out of school. She is a she is a badass. <laughs> she. Uh, yeah, she's a sweet lady now, but way back then, uh, she she was a leader of a kind of a gang in her school. Okay, and uh, ultimately she she locked one of the teachers in a closet, and that was <laughs> that was the
1: end of it. She that's, got booted out. That's funny. We and always to listen. Uh, last year at school, we'd always prank the teachers, and, and in previous years, they managed to get a two CV on top of the sixth form building, which was two stories high, and it was a teacher's two CV. So our, our year, they had their own. Uh, common room where they could go and relax yeah we we, we chained all the doors shut and it was the, like the last day of term so they had all of the teachers in the common room to celebrate the end of the year and they couldn't get out and wow. word spread like wildfire and they ended up with a thousand kids standing around the school common room just like laughing at the, yeah, the yeah. teachers uh, and you did the chaining uh i was involved with locking one of the doors
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can admit it now yeah. it's been a million years
1: yeah. oh i challenged to come and get me
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, in the end, the teacher had to climb out a window, but again, old Victorian building, the window was, uh, you know, six feet off the ground. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was very successful.
0: How old are your kids now?
1: Uh, fifteen and eighteen. You have a boy for sure. Uh, I and, do, and, and a daughter. And yeah, a daughter. Yeah, yeah. My son's just started uni over at Cap U, and my daughter's uh at Walnut Grove up the road from where we live. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, they're going great guns. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah turned into two great kids that's my Crazy. wife's credit not mine <laughs> yeah. uh she's she's she, you know we, we've been we've worked hard to be uh to some degree a stay-at-home mom sort of scenario yeah but as a result of it uh like i say i give her credit for all the work oh no doubt yeah, yeah so uh, it's the
0: most uh underrated uh job in the world in terms of how hard it is and uh, it is yeah and um uh, you know just yeah it's 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 when i'm I try to spend as much time as I can with my kids. And mm-hmm. I'm a little bit work obsessed, but you know, when I do, especially when I'm work obsessed, I find I really, really appreciate all the time and energy parenting takes. Yeah. Because uh it's fun on the weekends and the evenings and all that type of stuff, but uh, day after day after day it's uh it's work.
1: Oh, it is. And especially right. now
0: that I battle my thirteen year old off of screens. No oh. <laughs> nonstop. And
1: yes. Yeah, I've been through that one. Yeah. It's yeah. it's tough.
0: So you got into what you went straight out of school into real estate, even when you were in England.
1: Me? Yeah. yeah. Um, huh. So yeah, back when I was at school, like I say, we were in the, we had a cadet corps and and I was into the air force and into flying and everything. And actually I wanted to be a pilot, wanted to be a helicopter pilot. And so I started officer training, but I failed a medical, but in doing the, uh, the, the, the selection process, uh, you know, we were all told go and get a degree and stuff. So, like I said, I didn't make it. Didn't, did even. You know, I I went off and got a degree. In the UK, uh, one of the big primary uh, functions in real estate is is surveying. It's not just uh, land surveying. There's quantity. There's building. There's there's real estate valuation. There's property management. There's a whole series, and they all sit under the banner of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. And uh. I really liked architecture, but I didn't like the idea of seven years at university, which is what it takes to become chartered architect in the UK. And someone said, "Oh, have you looked at building surveying?" So I thought, "Oh, okay." So when I got some experience in that in the sixth form, and and got into university, did it. Did my diploma in two years, and then added topped up with my degree, and walked out. And yeah, went and when actually I went and worked for a year for my uncle. Uh, He and his friend a friend ran a, a building firm. And I helped them out with building projects. So literally, was carrying bricks up, scaffold, and uh, mixing concrete. I've never... Old-fashioned, you know, the old drum where you're shoveling the pile of cement and adding the water and the aggregate. Uh, yeah, fortunately, I was young and healthy then, but...
0: Um, Probably the best shape of your life, too.
1: Uh, I was, yes. It kept me very healthy. I slept well every night. But it was actually really good grounding, because most of my peers who had graduated went straight off into the professional white-collar element. And, and in, in, when was it? It was 96, I think it was, five or six. Um, the economy in the UK was, was down a bit. There wasn't a lot of jobs. But I ended up getting exposed to so much more that when a year later I went and got that, that white-collar job. I actually was probably more ahead than some of them because I knew what it actually took to build stuff. You know, they, they might be telling a contractor that's been doing it 30 years, oh, I'll put the window in like this. Well, the contractor's like, there's no way that's going in like this. And I could actually translate. And that probably, I'd say that one year caught me up with them in, within six months. And then we obviously all do our articles, we become chartered. Um, so I specialized, I was a building surveyor, but I specialized in, in the sort of the real estate development side. So when I came out here, it's it's kind of part project manager, Part not architect, but certainly designer. In the UK, a building surveyor is allowed to design a single family home, renovate buildings like this this office building. This would be something a building surveyor would take on. And it was just that sort of thing I did do. Um, and then part envelope, sort of engineer consultant. So anyway, but I then, after getting chartered, just focused on the, the, the development side.
0: Is that what you're doing when Steph's company hired you?
1: Yep. Yep. I was building offices, renovating them, doing everything from. Minor TIs, like you're literally going in tenant improvement permits right through to working with Manulife, Sun Life. We were doing work with Vodafone, uh, where uh, full-on.
0: So she was working for a Canadian company?
1: Yep. Detweiler, uh, And what were they doing in England? Oh, well, they they actually... So interesting. I mean, they're known for the Canada Arm, but they actually do a whole load of computer systems-related stuff, probably more so than the Canada Arm thing. Um, And the UK real estate transaction process was flawed. I think prior to the government saying we need to do something and put it into the internet and I'm not tech savvy as you know, uh, it would take three months. The fastest you could turn around a house sale would be three months. You know, between the lawyers sending inquiries and checking on the planning conditions and this and that, it was insanely slow. And they they were sort of, you know, late 90s going, "Uh, we got to fix this. This is a real problem for our industry. We're not going to get anywhere in the long term. So McDonald Detweiler won a contract to set up – I'm going to get all the terminology wrong, so if anyone's listening, email's on a postcard somewhere, but um, they basically created this infrastructure that allowed lawyers and realtors and everybody to put the inquiries through, and this infrastructure would then send it out to the right place. So if you were looking at a home in City X and you wanted to inquire, is there a a highway about to be built over this piece of land – in the old days you'd wait for the city to to write a email write a letter response paper. Well, now it was all electronic, and it could in theory be done in three minutes so they they set up this network, and I think they ran a trial, and I think the first sale they did was it they did it in thirty days, but the goal was to get it three days and so she was involved with building that out and then the government released three. I'm not quite sure the terminology, but licenses for companies to buy to operate one of the portals that you went through this network. So McDonald Detweiler also bid and got one of those portals. So she was running a sales team. She built out and ran the sales team and and, and a whole load of the back-end infrastructure that was involved with
0: it. And she came over to England as part of that work? Yep.
1: Yep. They sent nine of them over, all all out of BC. For how long? Uh... I think it was originally two years, but obviously we met, got together, and so it was three years. And then at the end of the three years, uh, it was kind of, wait, what are we going to do here? So we said, right, we'll come out here for three years, and then we'll make a decision about where we're going to settle. And it's, what, 21, 22 <laughs> years later, and we still haven't had the conversation about where to settle. So yeah. I think we know the answer. It's it's set. So She won. You probably yeah. It's, it too, it's it, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, she did. I mean, but oddly enough, without conversation.
0: Yeah, that's um, how it goes.
1: My quality of life, from health wise, is better here, but our quality of life is better here. Uh, Why? The weather is the same. Um, it is. Yeah, it's it's actually really the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because a lot of people in England think the whole of Canada is just mountains, um, or the Arctic, and the mountains that get covered by the Arctic every winter. And it's not at all. Like I say to people, we're we're actually further south here in Vancouver than London is. We're on a latitude with Paris, right? But our climate's very similar. But
0: uh, it feels healthier. You said it's healthier.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of different parts there. Uh, I don't find there's any pollution in the air here. Uh, It's going to sound really grim. So I worked in London. And if you were to get anywhere in real estate, you had to be in London. But we're talking city, a world city in the 1990s, it rat race. You worked hard and you played hard. And, and, it was great getting ahead, but to stay there long term, you'd you could easily burn out. I get it. And by playing hard,
0: you had to go out, you know, to the pub with the right people yes. build the relationships. Oh yeah, every night,
1: Thursday night, Friday night for sure. Yeah, um, you got the weekend to yourself. Um, but it was also when I say the rat race, I lived in a village outside of London, commuted in. And I'll give an example from the health side. You know, you'd you'd come home. It's going to sound grim. Blow nose and your handkerchief's black. Ugh. And it's the, all the brake dust in the tunnel from a oh. hundred years of trains, you know, just stuff like that you're ingesting day after day. And uh, I'm asthmatic; that has an impact. Oh yeah. Here, uh, my asthma's in control. I haven't had an attack in. Well, I've n- I've never had an attack here. Uh, and admittedly, I hadn't had one in a few years over there. But you know, it just I can hike mountains. I yeah. can breathe easily. Kind for of relief.
0: You know? Yeah. It's not even weighing on you on your mind, right? No.
1: But even we we go home. We've tried to go home every couple of years to see family and and show my kids where my world was. And we we always go up to London for a day or two and or stay overnight. And we all just feel, Ugh. you know, you you feel slightly grimy, and that's that's a function of one of those really big industrialized world cities. It doesn't matter whether it's London or Paris or anywhere. You feel that way at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And I don't feel like that here. Uh, and I think most people don't. If you you know, you start to connect with it.
0: You know what I like about London is is at 5 o'clock when all of the patios are spilling over with people, mm-hmm. having a pint. Yes. I kind of think it's just such a good vibe.
1: It is. And the fact you can go anywhere and everywhere without, like you say, until 2, 3 in the morning. In fact, I mean, it is a world city. It doesn't stop like New York. You can go out and find a bar at 4 a.m. Uh, or And you can walk out of the bar and go and find a, a cafe and get a breakfast at 5 a.m., you know. Yeah. Um, Back in those days, too. I mean, uh, maybe foolishly, but on my last day of work there, we went out and it was about two in the morning and I decided I was walking home. I walked right across London. So wow. I walked from uh, I walked from Berkeley Square, which is in, in sort of the central West End, <laughs> right diagonally across the Thames to Wandsworth, where I lived, which is nuts looking back, you know. How long did that take? I'm not sure. I'd had a few drinks. <laughs> no doubt. But, but it's hours. A couple of hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of my, my swan song before I left. (laughs) (laughs) Leave on a high. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) Literally.
0: Yeah. So in Canada, what did you do for work? In Canada? Yeah. When you landed, what was, uh, was the first opportunity.
1: So yeah. Um, when I got here, uh, I knew I wanted to stay in real estate. It's something I've, I've just always enjoyed and and loved and, and looking back, realized it was probably meant to be because it's, when you're passionate about something you just keep going right you have an energy for it that runs beyond the nine to five um so i just started knocking on doors and i actually started with rss and said to a couple of people you know uh you know let me buy you a drink coffee whatever it is tell me about what you do in the industry and over the course of three months i just left my resume with everybody and every time i met someone i said give me two more contacts to reach out to smart and eventually yeah i wasn't asking for the world i was trying to be realistic but yeah. everybody gave me two and eventually one of them called me and said, Oh, there's a guy recruiting. And I ended up working for a company called Cooperators Development um uh on on Broadway Oak. And uh yeah, went to see them and they're like, Well, we don't know how you and I just said, Well, give me a trial period. So stepped into a role and I've initially in a lot of pay, but I said, Look, you know, if it works out, pay me properly. So did what I'd always done. Like I say, I, I'm not bothered by long hours. I just proved my point. Three months came and I said, yep, you're on. Here's your here's an pay. And so got involved with a variety of different projects. Cooperators has a great relationship through the prayers with the credit unions. So we did a lot of work with credit unions. Um, at the time, it was North Shore, then now Blue Shore Financial. But we were also working in, in, with, in the uh, Okanagan. So my first uh, main project, I built a subdivision um, in a Soyuz condos and townhouses. And it really went from there. Um, got heavily involved working with North Shore Credit Union, a guy called Fred Cook, uh, had a vision to take what is now Blue Shore, but to the way it is now with this very open, quite different banking culture, very open space. Um, you know, the rock walls and all these things. And I actually ended up helping them get that program off the ground. That was cool. It was, yeah, it was very cool. It was intense. There was a lot of work and of course it's financial. So they want to turn around fast because these branches can't stay shut. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I was there two, two and a half years, but I was commuting to a Soyuz every week and I had a young family starting along the way too, right? My son was coming on the scene and and I realized this was not sustainable long-term because at that point, I would literally, I'd leave sort of Leave, I'd come in the office on a Monday. So I'd leave Monday evening. I'd drive to a Soyuz, Soyuz for a day or two. Then we had, we were doing project management work for a project in Penticton. And then from Penticton, I'd cut across country to uh, Pemberton, where we had a Renault underway, and then Whistler Renault, Squamish Renault, and then back here. And I'd ride back on a Friday. I was wiped. Oh, no doubt. And it was just taking its toll. So um, when I first came out here, uh, one of the people I met just by accident was a guy called Arif Tula at concert. And his words were to me, you know, go and get some experience and come back. And I was kind of mulling over where I was at with CDCL at the time. And I just sort of said, I wonder what's out there. So I started looking and I saw this post at concert. So I sent my resume in. And uh, so I got called for an interview. And I'm sitting in front of Arif and he's looking at me. He's like, I've met you before, haven't I? I'm like, yep. And uh, so, yeah, so he hired me so and it was
0: uh, one of those coffee meetings that was a reefer you just bumped into yes
1: no no it was a coffee meeting i'd cool. set up and uh, just trying to find my way around the industry and it's interesting because actually probably a third if not half of all the people i met buying them a coffee or whatever either i i've worked with since come across since quite a few of them ended up being uh, were consultants and ended up becoming consultants that i work with which is kind of neat so uh yeah ended up like I said, met Arif and he's like, I want you to meet Dave Podmore. So we went down the corridor and uh, before I got home, Arif had already sent me a message offering me a job. Nice. That was old (laughs) old school recruiting. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I went there for 11 years and started doing initially as as a project manager, but moved into development management. um, Partly because I think I, well, I had the experience in the UK doing building offices and bigger buildings and uh, did a lot of work in Victoria um, predominantly, but uh, did a bit out here in uh, bid in West Van, a bit in Vancouver, uh, and then the end as well. I was doing odds and ends in Toronto as well. So,
0: and they're owned by—is it the
1: teachers? They're owned by uh, actually, union. Uh, well, they're owned by a variety of uh, unions, uh, union pension funds, I should say. Okay. Telus is the uh, the largest, but I think I lose track, nineteen, twenty, or twenty-one. It was sort of moving around a bit, but uh, yeah, they uh, they offer. Uh, union pension funds the opportunity to invest in real estate so,
0: exclusively. Union pension funds,
1: um, to the best of my knowledge. Now I haven't been there six and a half years, yeah, of and, course. and they've opened up some other enterprises since concert Infrastructure's taken off big time. They've repositioned their income property and their development real estate. So they may have changed that structure, and I haven't pride and I'm, I you know I don't. Of course, yeah. yeah, so I'm not quite sure how it's set up. Today, but
0: generally but, speaking, that yeah. that kind of set up is it? Are they getting debt or equity from the the pension funds
1: uh they're getting investment from the pension funds yeah um and what that allows them to do obviously not only invest in investment property but um just i mean the development arm is not really the biggest arm right uh the the income properties and the division that they run that runs all of that is massive. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have their own in-house property management, for example. So they look after all of it. So the returns go straight back to the pension fund.
0: From the pension fund's point of view, their job is to invest the money of their people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is the way they invest in real estate. They choose a good partner like Concert and they give them a bunch of money, but they do other things as well. So we have a well diversified portfolio. Yeah. Do you think real estate is like their sort of risky, high risk, high reward portion of their portfolio or...
1: I don't know uh, again I, I I just I just enjoy building the buildings but uh I mean there we go so yeah constant income properties it's on the internet there it's it's even bigger than when I was there but they um real estate has always traditionally been a fairly safe investment as long as, long as you're not trying to play around with it in 6 months or 3 years right mm-hmm. long term it might not yield you those massive quick returns but it's a lot longer, safer, steady return, rate of return. And so people that invest in the longer term, like a pension fund, are seeing that that steady return year over year. So in other years where those other stock shares, bonds, whatever, might be fluctuating madly, you're getting that reliable, steady state of return out of a real estate investment.
0: Yeah. How did it affect the culture? I mean, being, you know, obviously it's a union, mm-hmm. a sort of culture from the equity side. Yeah. It Does that that probably the money comes with some expectations as to how they operate does concert operate uh, like a more union type environment do you think
1: I would say uh internally no um Jack Podmore and Dave uh, sorry Jack Poole and Dave Podmore very much set the tone Dave has incredible ethics I've tried to emulate those even today I oh, flattering. um it is but it's a recognition of of who he is um he I think he summed it up in about, I think it was 2008 and the market had crashed and something was going on and and there was, people were losing out on their deposits and other things because development companies were folding, and closing. And Dave stood up and said, I would sell my own house to protect my staff and my, uh, our investments before I ask anyone else to do anything. And that said a lot, right? That set the tone. The fact he was, he, he, it sounds wrong. People are an asset, but the fact that he was so invested in his people, mm. um, that that was incredible. And maybe that bit does emulate the union kind of ethos. But as a company, we definitely we, we ran ourselves as a, a private company, and, and we had a mandate to use union trades on site. But beyond that, we were very normally. Um, I think the only thing uh, I used to find uh, was we we would would spend a lot of time analyzing things, but I think that's a function of, of who they are and where they sit because they're, they're investing other people's money and they're bound by certain rules regarding that investment. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I, I think concert really took its time, but in the right way, mm-hmm. uh, differently to a lot of the other real estate companies um, where things, decisions can be made much quicker. Even where I am today, you know, we, we, we do a lot of analysis, but we'll make quick decisions and it's, it's it's the Colico company's money. It's not, you know, uh like I say, I forget how many, twenty, twenty-one pension funds. Yeah. So it's it's it works a little differently. Yeah. Um we have to put our own equity in, obviously, but then we have to go to the banks and persuade them it's right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. but it was also it was a lot of fun at concert. Um, like I said, they had a great culture. Uh the thing that did it for me more than anything was the commute. I, I you know, I live out in another valley and the way I it p- painted to people was when I moved here, it took 40 minutes to get from Langley to downtown. And by the time I stopped that commute, and I now work out of Cloverdale, which is 15 minutes from home on a bad day, you know, um, coming downtown in the HV lane with uh, carpoolers was an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half each way every day. And that was just taking it out of me. Again, like you're saying about family, right? I realized I was missing less, uh, missing more of what the kids were up to yeah i've tried to be involved with their lives outside of school and do things like you know we did scouts with them and we went camping and got up to crazy adventures there and stuff but uh yeah i have two hours a day back you know it it makes a difference
0: i remember my my sister worked with me for years here Mm -hmm. and uh it was awesome and eventually she went to Marcon because she also lives in the valley and, and they're in the valley And it's not just the time, but the difference in her life was that she could like have breakfast with her kids and kind of make their lunches, that kind of thing when they were smaller Mm -hmm. and, and have dinner with them at the end of the day. But if you lose that hour on each side, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, if you have long days, you're, you're missing them in the morning. You're kind of missing them at night. And
1: all of a sudden months and years are clicking by. Especially when they're young. And I, I know I've missed stuff. That's just a function of our generation, my generation growing up. The next generation is even more connected. And in fact, I encourage my team, you know, if they're dealing with challenges, go home, fix it. It's a distraction, right? Mm. You're better off to get it fixed. Remove the distraction and focus. Or, you know, uh, and these days, especially since COVID, your child only has to sneeze at daycare and they're calling. And I want my team to know that it's okay. Go look after your child. Um, and they all function anyway. They can all function remotely. Um, I I do have everyone back, and I like it because we are a people-forward industry. And actually, uh, the younger generation are the ones that want to work from home more. But what they don't realize they're missing, and this isn't just us. I think this is a message to anybody, is you... You miss out on the daily interactions, but it's all that inadvertent learning, that osmosis, you know, that's happening around you. You're sitting at your desk, but you hear this conversation here. Well, you've learned something. You're here. But you're also not face to face with your peers, uh in in just group learning, but you're also not face to face with your manager in growth, right? If that's not happening, um if you're working from home, put it the other way around, that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, as regularly or uh, subconsciously, and I think it's going to hold back a generation from they're going to expect that growth and there's certainly much more of a gig economy. people move for a salary or a promotion, but they're they're almost moving for the promotion then want to earn it mm-hmm. and I think people uh that's never going to completely change, but I think if people understand actually being in an office and learning from others is still a powerful tool mm-hmm. will will help what is your uh
0: at, at StreetSide, what is your policy around where people can work from home versus uh, the office?
1: We've we've we positively encouraged everyone to come back. Yeah, because and you can hear it. The, there are days where you know don't go wrong. We, we allow flexible working to a large degree. Yeah, there are some roles you can't bring because we we build as well. We're we're a contractor. We GC. We self perform. Then there's some roles you can't do from home. So it's slightly inequitable to allow some to work from home and not others. So we've tried to encourage it. But to the credit of everybody, we've got the odd person that might work from home one day a week, but actually some people have just voluntarily come back every day of the week. And that's actually quite powerful. I think they're realizing actually there's a strength to hearing what's going on and learning from everyone around them. Um, it does help, I think, geographically, though. Um, I was in meetings downtown earlier this week, and They were saying, oh, yeah, well, uh, everyone's in on a Monday and a Tuesday, and it starts to fade on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But it's funny that the downtown core and having worked there, I know what it is, is, you know, most people live to the east or maybe the southeast, a few to the north. But everyone's having to commute in. There's very few living in the downtown core in almost all of the companies. And so there's that slog you know, Coquitlam, it doesn't matter where you're living in Coquitlam, it's 50 minutes to get downtown, even on the West Coast Express. And we're in Cloverdale, and geographically we know that our staff live all around us. And it's, a, it's 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes, but it's it's actually less impactful. Because mm-hmm. if they're coming in from Burnaby, they're going on a counter commute, mm-hmm. right? And if they're living out in Abbotsford, well, it's, it's just not as – traffic's not as heavy. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we're finding people are happy to come back yeah that's the trains isn't it yeah yeah okay just checking that's called <laughs> you can edit that out. oh yeah yeah okay sounds dirty <laughs> <laughs> i don't know
0: what it is about that word
1: uh it just i heard one rumble i thought oh that's a truck going in the port but then that one shook so yeah, they're putting some chains uh, trains together
0: mm. it's like a little kid's dream looking out that window yeah, watching it, probably all the action. Is. yeah it probably is actually
1: yeah. so qualco
0: is an amazing company 73 years old mm-hmm. uh, amazing history And they're doing things that other developers aren't able to do with, um, you know, deposit structures for Juno and and that kind of thing.
1: I thought you'd bring that up. Um, No, no, it's important. We'll get there in a minute. But but I want to
0: know about the history, you know, the.
1: uh, (sighs) Well, I I really can't. I'm not the best person to speak to the, the true history. I've only been there, you know, when you talk about a company, 73 years old, and that's significant in the real estate industry. So 73 years old, I've been there six and a half years. So I'm a tiny drop of it. Um, You know, it was founded by a a couple, um, the Friesen family in Winnipeg. And it started off with just building some simple homes. And then it grew from there. There was uh, actually initially... um, uh Catherine Friesen, I think, got into sort of doing some design work in these homes. And it was almost like the is catalog type thing, to be honest with you. When you look at those old pictures, it's, it's not dissimilar. You can go on the website and see there's a photograph of one of the old trucks. And it used to be called Quality Construction. I love that photo. Yeah, it's a great photo. Quality
0: Construction um, Company. And I guess that's right. where QualiCo came from.
1: That's right. Yeah. So over time, they started to grow and... Moved into, but well, what
0: about the Sears catalog? Like, in what way was well, it like?
1: I, I, a, I, didn't grow up here, but what I've seen of those Sears catalog homes, there's the pictures of the truck and the little rancher, and it's your your little world. Yes, and some of the early photographs I've seen of some of the early homes that were built in Winnipeg look very similar to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, um, the urban sprawl of the era where they, where they were building that's subdivisions. That's right, and yeah, Nick pulled some up. Yeah, so you could choose a home. That's right, and and and. That, to be honest with you, is partly what still happens with the single-family divisions. So Qualico is a whole series of vertical companies, and it's not just home building. The majority is still single-family. We have four multi-family, and I'll explain in a second. But the single-family home building units here in BC it's Foxridge. But you go to a project in the location you want to be, and this is the same whether you're in Edmonton or Calgary. We're in in we're in Texas. We're in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Austin, and you can go in and choose the plan you want. And, and, and again, it's almost like the book, right? It's a short, it's not like there's 300 co- options, but you can, you can choose a plan and then you get a choice of two or three different exteriors. And then you get to pick your cabinets and your flooring and even your, the spindles on your staircase. Cool. And it is, it's very cool because whilst they're building multiple homes at a time and there's an efficiency to that, over a single custom home, you it, you're getting a customized home to some degree. Very few people in any of our markets go in and just buy the basic plan. It wouldn't be that nice actually. If you spent all that money, you want that bit extra. Um, but and, and but as a func- so as a result of it, a function of all of those single family divisions is that they offer upgrades. Um, so they moved yeah from Winnipeg into Calgary and then Edmonton and. I'm not sure what year they actually moved into BC. Um oh 1972. Next fast. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. Yeah. Um, so uh that that's a long time ago. Uh, the the that was all the single family, and then obviously the Saskatoon and Regina, uh as well as the Texan operations. Later on, it was in the nineties, they realized they were starting to get into some townhouses. Still all wood frame. Um, and by now, um, Ruth and Brian Hastings, so Ruth was, is their daughter and Ruth and Brian Hastings were running the company and, and looking after, uh, the company. What was the name of the founders? Uh, the Friesens, David, Dr. David Friesen and, uh, Catherine Friesen. Is it Catherine? And oh, the- you've got that too. Thank you. I'm <laughs> just realizing it's on the screen. Yeah. Uh, yes, Catherine Friesen. So they, they, um, and he was
0: he was building, and he said she started doing some interior design in homes? She got involved
1: in in, 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 play, yep, with a bit of interior design and a bit of property management, I think, as well, which is where the Rancho piece comes from.
0: And that's 51, then 70. Yeah. In the 70s, the second generation's taken over?
1: That's right. Yeah. And that's when there was growth into Vancouver, Saskatchewan, Texas, uh, to some degree. It was a bit later on. But yeah, in the 90s, so the third generation starts to come in, um... Kevin Van is the husband of Lisa Hastings, who is Ruth and Brian Hastings' daughter. He's now our president, but he was working at the time, and he was actually the one that got involved with the multifamily. And he sort of said, we we need a different brand for multifamily. So multifamily, the simple definition is we built the stratified homes. There's some blurring of the edges with, you know, um, row homes and, and stuff like that. But But holistically, anything stratified, we're building. So over time... Um, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary started up street side divisions and then, uh, 11 or 12 years ago now, uh, this year, they started the street side division in BC and we've, we've grown from there really. Um, beyond that, Qualico has, um, lots of different other functions. So I mentioned Rancho, they're a sister company. We're, we're completely separate. Um, in the sense that Rancho works and is based downtown, where they're the only operation based out of downtown. but we've got a whole series of other verticals which steps beyond um, just single family and a multifamily building. So there's um brands like Star which do an uh, um, mechanical plumbing, they do trusses, there's flooring, drywall, um, uh, HVAC. I'm gonna run out and uh, I'm gonna offend one of the other VPs now because I've forgotten their business unit. But uh, yeah, and so they're all run as vertical business units.
0: Is there uh, everything? Is there is there concrete, drywall? Yep, there's concrete
1: stuff. in Winnipeg. Um, yep, drywall, two different drywall companies. Amazing. Um, I'm trying to, I probably have missed somebody, so apologies. And then the last piece they have as well is what's called Qualico Properties, which is their property holdings. Um, and that's their, when I say their investment division, it's where they hold real estate for income. Uh, it's all commercial based. There's no rental residential in in Canada. Um, and they run very separately, you know, and we, we might be building, a building that has some commercial space. A good example is Willoughby Town Centre, which was built um, here. And Qualico Properties, we, we co-own that with um, with another partner here in BC. And Qualico Properties runs that. They do all the lease up. We're the, we're the, the active partner. And then they manage all the tenants in conjunction with Rancho. The final division I, I forgot to mention is one we call Communities. This is our land acquisition servicing zoning team. Um, In a lot of the other regions, they operate as a completely separate business unit. And they do operate as a separate business unit here, but it's blurred edges here in BC. So basically, the land that they acquire, anything multifamily comes to us, everything single family goes to Fox Ridge's service sites, and we, we buy it from them. But we work collaboratively as a team. Whereas in in Edmonton and Calgary, for example, the communities teams there, they they they're buying so much land. I mean, the rest of the Qualico division just can't absorb it all, so they actually sell it on the market as well to other outside developers. So
0: it uh, seems like they keep everything quite separate. You know, the companies are separate mm-hmm. and whatnot, as opposed to, you know, one big company that just kind of does it all under yeah. the same brand. Do you know the strategy behind that?
1: I do. Yeah, the the verticals. Um, they call them the verticals. It does allow for some delineation. Uh, in Calgary and Edmonton and Winnipeg, for that matter, they have multiple single family home builders and they don't directly complete, but they overlap. So, by keeping them separate, there's an ability to have separate identities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what I mean by that is that there might be an entry level single family builder and there's a mid-market. So the top of the entry level is overlapping with the entry to the mid-market one, and then there's an upper-market one. And again, they, they all overlap somewhere. Um, here in BC, we are unique in that we are blurred. Um, uh, Gary Mertens, who's our regional VP, and he runs uh, the Fox Ridge division, he and I, and then Nathan Hildebrand, who's our communities guy, we all talk probably more than once daily. Uh but continually communicating. What about this? What about that? Let's look at this land. How does that work? And, you know, even just this week, we've looked at two, three different parcels where it's like, okay, that, that's a street side thing. Oh, that one could take some foxridge and some street side. Okay, how does that structure work? In the other regions, because of the vertical element and they're selling them off to others, they keep it much more defined. But it does mean we're also quite dynamic because our communities team constantly knows what we can pay for land. They know what foxridge can pay for land. So they can instantly go out and talk to vendors and say, right, this is what I can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the right intel. So we're not wrestling with opposing performers. We we share our intel with them so they know what our revenues would be. And if we're not sure or we're looking in a new area, the team's right there. They're not just you know putting the finger in there and guessing. They can come down and talk to my team and say, what do you think we can sell this for? Or they can go to the construction team. Okay, it's step four. What are we going to build that energy step code home for? Biggest single impact on construction costs these days is the step code, so... So yeah, so we were able to be quite dynamic in, in numbers, and and that lets the, them become dynamic. And it means we've got a good pipeline. Must be
0: nice. You can call an expert in every vertical within your yeah within your field. Yes. kind of in kind of house.
1: Yeah, and actually, I mean, beyond the business units, Colico, there's a strength corporately because it means although we have a team in our office that does accounting or does uh, health and safety or IT or HR, there's a bigger team in the head office. And they've even done things like, I'll give an example. Um, they've partnered with the Ivy Business School in uh, in London, uh, Ontario. And we're now sending teams out to do different levels of management training. So I actually got to go last fall, uh, along with 14 other VPs. I knew two, two or three of them before. And well, now I've got 13 more new resources, who I'm not competing with, but can actually teach me uh, a huge amount of things, or I can go to, Hey, how would you resolve this in your world? Or oh, what do you so got nice. here? Yeah. And and that strength doesn't exist. And I've said this, I mean, the four VPs for the street side, so we get together twice a year anyway, and we just sit and we kind of present to each other where we're at on things, but here's some challenges. But There's also corporate like branding where, you know, we're, we're going to work on that this year, for example, how do we improve our, our brand? Because there are, people move around in Canada and we're seeing right now some people leaving BC or they're going to Edmonton or they're going to Calgary. Well, now suddenly street side crops up again. Ah, oh, you know, I know what I'm getting there. So I know what I'm going to get here. And, and we're trying to align ourselves that way. But it does mean when you're wrestling with some of the challenges, which anybody running a, a real estate company has, you've got counsel where you're not, huh, you're not impacting yourself, right? I can call one of them up and say, how would you deal with this? And it's impartial advice. There's no. You, you, I'm not saying it's always veiled, but you, you may not always open up fully to your peer here, who's running a different company that you're
0: competing with. Oh, I get it. Yeah, so, you, you can be friendly, but you have a yes, and a lot of times a professional obligation, a duty to the company you work for, to not yeah. disclose things. So when you're under this sort of common umbrella of ownership, you can That's disclose. Right. I assume everything, which is a whole different thing.
1: And we do. Uh, it, it's it, it's good to be able to. It's good to be able to. uh Lay out a challenge and work through it and have other people, All right, you know, don't worry about it. Or you're overthinking that, or, or no, let's go this way. And, and they've also got other ideas they've got too. So uh, I, I've certainly deployed ideas from them floor plans. even, Right. And we've, we share flop. You wouldn't do that with a competitor. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's definitely some strength to that.
0: Well, let's on that for a minute. So how, yeah. how does, how else does it benefit a buyer? You know, it's nice for you, obviously. Um, but I imagine when you're building a tower at street side you don't use your own concrete company and and all of your own companies. Yeah. You use probably whoever makes the most sense.
1: We do. Um we have a mandate to get, you know, three bids on on everything we do and that's not always feasible, but you know what I mean? Um here in BC we are a little bit different to the others in in like I say in Alberta specifically in Winnipeg and in, in Manitoba, but also to a degree in Saskatchewan. They have access to these other verticals. We don't here. The the nearest ones are in Calgary and Edmonton. So if we want flooring, we're not talking to them because by the time you've spent the money shipping it, you've lost any efficiency you've gained. So we are working with local trades, and we'll continue to work with local trades, whether it's you know concrete or anything else. Um, for them. So but what does Colico bring? Well, there's a strength behind it. The the company is it's on good foundations. You don't last that long without getting some things right. So some of the DNA they have internally works. Um, But that brings about other benefits, it allows us to focus on some things because they know it works right in other markets. I'll give you an example. And I I keep going about it because it's a bit of a success that we've achieved recently. But Customer service and, and, and the quality of our product and, and the warranty behind it is is pretty outstanding. They, it may have changed recently, but uh, I was talking to Jan at uh, Resilus and Travelers a year or two back. And he made this comment that we're one of, I think, three or four developers here in BC, in the Lower Mainland, sorry, that put all of our projects under our parent company name. So everything's under Qualico. There's no limited company here and there. And I understand why a lot of people do it. But there's a uh, concerts, another one that does it, by the way. But uh, there's something about that. The fact that we stand behind our product enough to put everything underneath that one name. So, you know, 10 years from now, we're still there. Uh, I like that. It's amazing. I it, mean, I, I've
0: never personally experienced or professionally experienced it. I've never no, seen it. I've never worked with a developer before that ever did that.
1: And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, our products... I, I I'm actually quite proud to say that they're, they're good. We, 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 aren't, yeah, we, we, we deal with the, the one and two year stuff. There's, there's things that happen. Um, you know, you build 200 homes, something's going to break. It's regrettable. We never want it to happen to anybody, but it does. But it, the other side of this, then it it's, how do we deal with it? We have very few matters where the warranty company gets involved and comes along and fixes it. In fact, I can't think of any here they must in must love you. Uh, hopefully (laughs) they, Uh, they, 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 yeah, we, we, like everybody else, we're, we're looking for the best rates. And and again, we, we have a mandate to tender those two. So, you know, we've got some projects with travelers, some with WBI and, but, but holistically, I think both of them aren't impacted by us and hopefully they understand that that mandate exists. But, uh, from the other side of it, I think they're both sure and, and can rest assured that we're going to step up it's about doing the right thing, right? If something's not quite right, we'll go in and fix it. Um, and I'll be honest, we, with this cold, which is way below design levels, you know, we we did we had in some townhouses uh, some unique floor plans that where the the water line was last winter was it was on the warm side of some insulation, but maybe the insulation wasn't enough. The pipes froze. Now the temperature was much lower than the design temperatures, but we went back and we opened up. We added more insulation. We tried to fix it. And a couple of them, regrettably, have reported, the owners have reported the problem again, and we're not going to shy away. Wow. My, my team's like, no, let, what's wrong? How can we do this? How can this have happened? We've made, not we've made a mistake so much, but we've done all this extra work. Why did it happen? Yeah, again? you're curious. You want to learn. Yeah. And so, you know, we we are in the, pro oh, hate the cliche, but in the process of unpacking what's gone wrong. How did we get there? What What is it? um
0: is unpacking a cliche now
1: oh i hate the cliches. yeah <laughs> some Sorry. words get overused they do yes um but it's the only one that went through my brain at that second mm. <laughs> but uh yeah so they my team want to know what's wrong yeah but we also want to make it right for the homeowners and the other part there um not a, a lot of developers qualico lives by the avid surveys which is the sort of it's the equivalent of consumer reports for homeowners or or uh, i forget what the Oh, what's the one for cars? Doesn't matter. Anyway, um, we have a mandate to uh, report AVID scores. And we don't force our homeowners, but we encourage them and we give them access to it. We we collect reports at occupancy, mid-year and end-year. And, and my goal when I, started, when I took over the role was to, to improve. We weren't the best. We weren't the worst, but we were not at the Western Canadian sort of average. And our Google stars were middle threes, I think it was three point seven. And so we set about a program of how do we improve this. We looked at our sales experience. We looked at the products. We've made changes to just the base products. But we also looked at the turnover, but then the post turnover experiences for homeowners. And last winter we got our latest scores and it, it ranked us way above. In fact, we were the best performing business unit in Colico. But when beyond top of that, um we uh We've shifted, so not, now no, we're no longer way below the Western average. We're comfortably above it, and I forgotten what the score, forgotten what the score is right now. It's like eighty one point nine, or we're eighty five point nine percent average across all the the scoring metrics. And then the Google Star thing was really important for us. the The Qualico, uh, I understand why Qualico follows avid. It's such a big um, indicator in all the other markets. And we've embraced it. The team's embraced it. And that takes a bit of change. So it's taken four years to get there. But I'm proud of what we've done. And I actually said the team now the challenge is maintaining it. Mm-hmm. But the bigger one locally that everyone looks at is is the Google stars. And we're at four point five and and um we do look at our competitors, we're doing great.
0: Absolutely. That's an amazing store for a, a score for a developer.
1: Yeah, and people don't take the time to give you a good score. They'll give you, take time to complain. That they don't always take time to give you good scores. So the fact that people are going into Google and saying this is great is really valuable to us, and we really, we really appreciate the fact that they've done it. But we really value that, so we want to maintain that, and and that's something that we can offer going forward. You know, we we obviously you talked at the start, but with Juno coming up, that that's a to me that's a really big feature that we we don't sell well enough. We we're not a good don't do a great job of of promoting all the good things. Streetside and Qualico does, and we do do a lot in the in the community. So, this is something, it's, just, it's another feather in the cap, if that makes sense. It's, it is important. Yeah. you Nick's guys... scrolling through some of the other scores, oh. and you can see what I mean. Some of them aren't so hot, right? <laughs> no. Should I name them? You're too. Polite. No, no, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> People can search it on their
0: own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: that one's not good. 1. 1.9. They're all going to be looking at their Yeah, now. totally. <laughs> Everyone will be working on it. But that's, yeah. that's
0: something to be proud of, 4.5. That's amazing for, for Streetside.
1: It, it, it makes a difference. Uh, when I'm making a big investment these days, it's something I look at. I want to see what other people's experiences are. Mm-hmm. And if they're seeing that, it, it cuts in so many ways, right? Um, it means people are happy. That means they're going to give us a good reference to others. And that's important because that's, it's either repeat buyers or new buyers coming to us who realize, and once they're in, go, oh, this is a really great product. You know, um, the other part, too, is it's it's the realtor piece, too, knowing that they're getting what it says on the tin. And it's it's been a, a really satisfying while. We, we turned over a project uh, last summer through fall called Porter Mill, and we took our time to do it right. We didn't rush everybody through in one day. We over, you know, two, two and a half months, we moved everybody in. But we did it deliberately slowly so that people... You know, they closed. They got the keys, but they could move in the next day. It's not that you had to wait five weeks for an elevator slot or something. Mm. And, but it also allows us to just slowly go through floor by floor and make everybody sure everybody's home was correct. We had a goal for our supers of of a certain number of deficiencies, and if they exceed that, great. We're trying to turn these homes over with as few deficiencies as possible, but certainly below three. And and we a goal's none if we can, and. The number of times my team was showing me, I don't do Twitter, but they would show me like Twitter posts from realtors going, oh my God, just walked through this home with my homeowner. It's incredible. You know, or, you know, kudos to Streetside. They've done a great job. That that means so much to me, but for my team's efforts to see that stuff, I, I don't hesitate to forward it. And so uh, Porter Mill specifically, I think we're at four now. It's very rare you get a hundred percent score on Avid at moving. There's always something, Right. We've had four of them in one project. Four 100s. Four 100% scores. Wow. So I don't hesitate to send that to the team. That is a huge credit. It's not me. I, I'm, I'm just the one making some noise here. But there's a team behind me that actually make this happen. And they're the ones doing the hard work. And they need to know that this is this business building, right? You, you create that brand, but you create that trust and that, that awareness and that uh, reputation It it, it's 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 a reflection of what they are, and they can shout about that, Mm -hmm. and I hope they do. I hope so too. It's amazing. Anyway, that's that's one thing that really has originally. I didn't really think about it with the avid thing because it's just not prevalent in our our market here. Yeah. But actually, as I've started to embrace it, I've realised how powerful it is.
0: Yeah, so, if it's, a, if it's a tool that you can use year after year. It's yeah. just, you can track yeah. your performance. I think it sounds good. Yeah,
1: You're going to get some negative scores. I get it. We're not always going to live up to everybody's expectations. We're in a different market. It's interesting because um, Foxridge scores even better than we do. But for some people, unfortunately, you know, buying a townhouse or buying a condo, it's a compromise. They've always dreamt of a single family home. But the mm. cost of living here in the Lower Mainland is precluding that dream from a lot of people. You could talk to most people and their dream is still a single family home, front loaded on a cul-de-sac or a dry, you know, uh, with a little, you know, with a backyard and and a little place that's yours, totally yours, no one else's. We're making our townhouses as pleasant as we can. We're putting a lot of money or an condos, into amenity spaces, for example. Um, whether it's townhouse or condo, we're, we're really trying to invest in that so that they've they've got those little luxuries, even if they haven't, Got it directly in their own home, mm. but but it does mean you get the odd negative review because it's just not what they always dreamt of. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, we, we all have to compromise, and and it's a tough pill to swallow. I think when you realise you may not be able to afford that two, two and a half, three, four, seven, twenty-seven million dollar single family uh, <laughs> home. So
0: Nick, show me some more Google scores. Yeah, I'm oh. curious,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jonathan. You don't need to say a word. No, I'm not going to we we, we we look at them out of our own curiosity, but mm-hmm. when we were getting when we got to the four point five, I'm like, guys, do you realize how good this is? And it's... they're like, No, I'm like, just go look at some other competitors. Yeah. And you'll see. Yeah. There's another one.
0: What's uh Cressy two point three? I didn't say that. I can say it. It's publicly available information. I love those guys. <laughs> it's nothing personal. What's uh Bose Properties or Concord? These are some you know top These of the, the industry. You actually know.
1: you know what? They're gonna be they're, they're competitors right now. Let's be honest. We're working on Juno and we know they've both got launches coming on. Oh.
0: Both the properties. Four point two. It's
1: pretty good. Mm hmm
0: now four point five, what's Concord? Drumroll, please. What do you think?
1: Next up in a way, I don't know. Three point nine. I'm guessing.
0: Concorde that's oh four point
1: two. That's the sales center. That's the sales center downtown. I
0: guess people have a nice experience there. I don't know. Google's, you know, a little tricky. That there might be eight yeah. Concords. And uh, that's true. You so could
1: find ones that are higher and lower.
0: Yeah. Worthy competitors.
1: They are. And you know what? Uh, they, they've they got great product. Um, it's, it, I mean, talking about the Juno thing, for example, um, it's not taken lightly that we're going to market on our first tower. Uh, with such high caliber competitors, yeah,
0: best in the industry.
1: Absolutely, yeah. three of them, I'm probably the top three, best in the industry based, you know, volume and what they do. Concord, Anthem, and Bowser. Um, I've, you know, that they are captains of our industry, and and don't get me wrong, I'm going into this not lightly. Uh you know, having worked at concert, I know what we're gonna do. I've got a great team behind me. My um, director of construction, director of development, director of marketing, all been through this before. Um, but we also have the the strength of of the Colico team. They've been involved in in concrete structures before, um, sometimes silent partners, and and they but they've done that quite a bit in the states. So it's not like even on our finance side or our legal side, you know, we 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 know where we're going with this. We know what we're doing. We know how to do it, and we know how to deliver. So. We picked our first tower deliberately in Surrey. it's our hometown we We know the municipality we know how the municipality works um we I mean even chatting with you key key itself you Cam, you guys have a good great understanding i mean and a great record in surrey. It's about partnering with all the right people. It wasn't that we were intending to necessarily end up at this point in time. With a launch pending in and around three of the captains here, but I, and I acknowledge them all for it. it, it it's uh, it's a very interesting time. It's a very exciting time for us. It is, yes. um, and uh, I'm really intrigued to see how this how and where this all goes. It's not the first, and it won't be the last. How we do, it's, it's going to go great. On. Well, it is. I mean, look at what the government's done in the last three months. Right, it, it's inevitable. Um, that I think we'll see more of us trying to wrestle with this. The, these, the TOD demand 20 plus, even 8 plus. I mean, 20 plus is concrete. Um, I know some others are looking at mass timber, but for me right now, that why would we do the brain damage when we can build con- concrete for that same amount? I appreciate from a sustainability standpoint, there's a whole load of things to do with sequestered carbon in the mass timber, et cetera, but... Uh, we have to balance that with affordability and getting homes built. Mm -hmm. Not just from affordability, but actually having the right number of doors, you know, 1.2 million people moving here. And we only started, what, 200,000 instead of our norms, what, 260,000 homes nationally a year. And we're supposed to be starting 400,000 homes a year. We've got to, uh, I'm not saying put sustainability on the back burner because I'm actually passionate about it, but we've got to make realistic decisions about what forms we build these things in to produce it quickly. Mm -hmm. And Mastimber has, it's still in its infancy. It still has a lot of learning to go uh, for the average development company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, yeah,
0: but you got Key. So it's all yeah. going to go great. What is we're Key's great. Google review, Nick? Let's have a look. See how uh, the public Oh, it got is, going uh, on this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. Since we're chatting.
1: Yeah. Oh, 4.9. 4. 4. 9. How is that even possible? Jeez. You guys can't do much better than that. <laughs> i think we can do That's, better you can actually there's a point one there for you well i that
0: actually really bugs me but that is somebody <laughs> <laughs> i know i don't know who that is i know their name but it they uh they actually are rating the wrong company
1: oh uh, no yeah it's, it's super annoying that sucks yeah but what can you do yeah because there's a key foods isn't there yeah, it,
0: it was a rental management company, and I did own it. But, you know, it's a tenant who said that uh, all they do is want to rent. They don't want to help me. It's just a grumpy tenant, and there's
1: yeah. nothing I can do about it. You know what? You get that. We, we're, we're dealing with someone that's not happy with us right now, too. And, uh, yeah, I I don't want to go there, but it's…
0: Uh, there's one in every crowd? And... There
1: is. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest with you, and I'm learning that on this one specifically… Uh, misinformation or misunderstanding of, of rules and what the law says and things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We just got to let it pass and it will pass. Yeah. We've, we've done, we've done nothing wrong. So we're yeah. taking the high road. We're just yeah. going to go there. So yeah. yeah.
0: Let's get back to Juno. Yeah.
1: You know how it kind of fits That's into the market. Thing. Yes.
0: Um, So with the vertical integration, uh, you don't use your own companies, but you benefit from insight into every part of the construction side, for sure. But even right down to the uh, strata management company, Rancho, which is a, I don't know what you call them, partners, but it's part of the same umbrella ownership. Yeah,
1: I should be clear. Um, There is no conflict of interest because we have completely separate, they actually don't even operate on the same computer system that we do. Everybody else is at a qualico.com email address, except Rancho, so they're on a separate servers and everything. They're based downtown, we're not. But they do. we do hand over our projects to them as property manager. Yeah. But that means that, for example, we can call them up and say, hey, you know, what should we be targeting for a strategy, yeah. right? And and you guys flagged it too. We're at 0.61 order, or whatever, 61 cents a square foot, for example, at Juno. And one and of your team, when we were doing our briefing, getting ready for launch, Said, so, oh, if we can get it below 60, well, we went away and, and the, the team in the office sort of caught up. The fact we can just ring rancher, how do we get this down? How do we yeah. work this out? So we've still kept the same level of service, but just by fine tuning a few items where they may have just grabbed a number and thrown it mm-hmm. in, we've been able to get that
0: down. So 59 cents. Yeah, it's a great example of how yeah. it could benefit a buyer. Yeah. Uh, and in other ways, I guess, I'm guessing when, you're, when your construction team is you know putting the the team together of subtrades and everything else to to build the tower, again, they're going to get, you know, three proposals or quotes from people when possible, but they've got this great insight in that there's a family company. hundred percent. That they can call to say, does this look good to you maybe even, or have a specific question about something?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you should say that. I mean, yes and no. I mean, we're obviously working uh, and we're trying to source local market stuff, but we do have corporate strength. Purchasing, for example, we, we have programs because we're, I think it's eight people move in a Qualica home a day right? That's huge. So what it does mean though, is we have a corporate purchasing team who are going to suppliers saying, you're going to be completing eight of these a day. What what deal can you get us? Yeah. So there are um, different products. Economies of scale. Economies of scale where we all go and say to them, "What what can you get for mm-hmm. us? And then the nice part too, is some of those things, it might be a flooring material. We're still going to use a local trade to install it, but we'll work with them to secure that product.
0: At great scale. Rates. Yeah, yeah. At
1: scale at great rates. I mean, long term, um, right now, like I say, trucking doesn't, it negates it. But, you know, we don't have a mechanical division here. HRVs, for example, or heat pumps. We need so many of them. So I've started talking to them saying, well, what if you do bulk orders and just have them delivered here? The only challenge being we've got to find somewhere to hold them, and then we've got to warrant that piece rather than the, the trade installing it, warranting it. But we'll we'll work through those things in time. But I do think there's opportunity. So these are
0: the ways that you figure out how to how to take the the power of the company, the power economies of scale, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and turn it into ultimately being able to deliver more value to the buyers.
1: Yes, it's it's more than just value, though, right? I mean, going back to the service delivery piece, we've got a louder voice at that company's that you know these some of these are big international firms. Mm. Now we've got a louder voice at their table saying, "Well, hang on, if you don't." sort out the problem you're doing with the delivery here. We're just going to change our orders from, I don't know, supplier X to supplier Y.
0: So many developers have had uh, a big stall with maybe their window delivery or something yes. like that, that set their project back or cost them millions. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's the kind of thing you can avoid.
1: It It, it is. We do... We do try to work through things like that. Um, there are some suppliers that are actually up in the interior in, in, in Alberta that we could bring here. We're actually we've been able to make things work locally here on Windows, but but in the longer term, yeah. Um I'm finding I mean, we've all found construction costs have risen massively. In the last year 18 months so wherever we can save a penny back is it's, it's it gives us competitive advantage i'm not going to deny but it also allows us to bring value back to mm-hmm. juno right we've got a great offering and it's because we we've we've we have fine-tuned the pencils we we've we've got a great construction team they've sat down they've talked to our regular trades we've established what our costs are and mm-hmm. it means we know we can come out at the price we're going to
0: yeah the price is amazing The yeah. the price per square foot uh, for the quality that people are getting, yep. um, it's unbelievable. You know, and having 3,700 square feet of amenities in a tower is nice, but 37,000 square feet yep. of amenities in one tower, it's, uh, I don't want to say overkill, but it is a
1: lot. It, it is. And I know Surrey wants us, I mean, just everyone to be producing more amenity. But actually, it's funny. I, I know I'm saying I, I want my team back in the office, but we are seeing more people work from home. So our offering is really varied. We've got amenity at level two. We've got amenity at level three. We've got guest suites above that. Uh, we've got a huge rooftop deck, and the entire eighth floor is amenity. But, the, I mean, for me, uh, and 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 I know you've seen it, but the, the top floor, the fact we've got our, uh, on top of the penthouses, we've got an entire floor dedicated that anybody living in the building were to use. And the views up there, I mean, I've seen the drone thingy. I can't wait to stand on the building and look at it because – uh, I don't think people realize the view that you get in Surrey at thirty-four floors up from ground. It's incredible. I mean, it's it, it is literally three sixty degree mm-hmm. and everybody in that building will have the opportunity to book that space, go use it and experience it. And I think that's kind of different. That's amazing. And and you're right, as a result of it, it, it meant we 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 probably put in more amenity, but we, we've 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 been doing that for a while. I mean, even in our townhouse projects, we've got a big project called Boroughs in South Surrey, 300-odd townhouses. And we actually have three amenity buildings, one in each phase. They're linked. So the owners in any one can use all three. So instead of having access to maybe two or 4,000 square feet, depending on their their phase, they've actually got access to 8,000 square feet of amenity across three phases. So it's everything from an adult space to family space to we've got a hockey court, we've got a movie theater, you know, we're doing the same thing here. It's just in one building. It's still 341 homes, but it's in one building. Uh, there's there's co-working lounge. There's private office space. There's a boardroom. There's a games room. You know all the normal things, but it's just it's all there.
0: Mm-hmm. A couple yeah. of guest suites too.
1: Yes. Yeah. That, that uh, Nick's just pulled up the boroughs. That's the lower floor in Holloway. So you got a movie theater. There's a party room, great for kids. The multi-court. And then you go upstairs in that one, there's a fitness facility. And then there's a family room. And the family room is this huge vaulted ceiling lounge and kitchen dining room, big mm-hmm. fireplace. And that's just one of three buildings on that project. Uh, you got the, that's it. If you go to the lounge, which is Holloway, this isn't meant for the adult place. It's meant to be a calmer, quieter place. Mm-hmm. So there's a ground floor entertaining, but they've even got a private rooftop deck. So there's something nice in townhouses. And I know municipalities struggle with it. And I, I get it. The back to back sort of roof condos, uh, townhouses, but there's something nice about those private rooftop spaces. No one's looking in on you, but you get up there and you get a view. And so we've even, for those townhouses that don't have rooftop decks, we've given everybody the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we, we do we do spend a lot of time on all our projects now trying to program it. Think about who who's the end user in this space mm-hmm. and what will really benefit them. So
0: It's very American. I mean, in the most complimentary way, but I used to, you know, mm-hmm. I noticed years ago, 10 or more. Uh, I was when I first started noticing, but they do the amenities so well with their projects. They have a lot more rental projects down yes. there, and I think they understand um, the premiums that tenants will pay yeah. to be, you know, in, in a place with all of these fun things to do for free included mm-hmm. in the building where you live.
1: And that's actually it's funny you should pick up on it, but that's actually something that started the change. Uh, so just after I became VP, um, uh, my boss Gary showed me this project they were launching in. Um, Uh, Austin, Uh, and it was a rental building and the amenities were phenomenal. I mean, it even had pools and hot tubs and saunas. And I know we haven't gone into pools necessarily. Historically, I I don't know about you, but I see a lot of the condos that put pools in, the Stratas then end up taking on the maintenance cost and they go, oh, hang on, we've got to cut this. And they end up redeveloping that space into something else. Mm -hmm. So we've chosen not to come, you know, um, it kind of lumber any of the strutters with that but down there they're, they're doing that every project has everything and it's it's pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. um their land's a lot cheaper which makes life easier but mm. yeah it's <laughs> yeah. it
0: works tenants definitely love it but yeah. half the buyers out there don't don't want to pool. Nope. you know half think it's nice but the half that have uh suffered it before how expensive it can get when there's problems that kind yeah. of thing they'd, they'd rather not
1: yeah and 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 i understand the reason for the rules around it i've only built two pools in my entire time here but both of them were just i mean it was like banging your head on a brick wall right and 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 i totally understand that whichever health department health authority you're in you know they're going to want to review it but now you've got to heat trace decks if it's possibly used when there's freezing and how do you handle the chlorines and the other stuff and again there's there's health don't go wrong there's been some disasters with people maintaining pools and and i wouldn't want that happening on a project so i'm, I'm quite reluctant to go down those avenues Uh, beyond just the cost um it's just not worth it when we can offer other space instead
0: yeah people are loving what they're getting you know do you know the price per square foot for all of this amenity and quality Mm. you know what they like the most about the offering is the deposit structure Mm. you know 10 percent uh it's never (laughs) it's never been done before typically towers are 20 percent
1: yeah deposit It, it used to be a bit less back in the day but you're right it's not done anymore um I'm sure my finance team in Winnipeg would love to uh, strangle me, but I was a little bit obstinate. I, I, I was, I know we we got to get this rate. We really got to get this rate, and we've we've got a great relationship. Uh, again, partly the length of time we've been around, but work very close with, with three or four banks, and uh, they all wanted in on this, and that's possibly what helped win it. Is because, um. One or two of them started going. Yeah, we'll offer it, and so uh, they all started to come in at the same rate. and And I just kept saying, because uh, you know, people are like, "Oh, well, maybe you got a 15. I'm like, "No, you don't understand. Ten percent. That means a young person can actually find that much money. Uh, and because don't get me wrong, but I mean, if you're if you're looking at four hundred fifty thousand dollars, yes, you still got to find forty five thousand dollars. Two tranches, five and five, but that's not. Ninety thousand dollars, right? Within it's, reach. It is within
0: reach. People and, can scrape together twenty-two thousand.
1: Yes, they can.
0: Or they can borrow it from mom and dad. It's a realistic number that a parent that wanted to help their kid get um, into the market could actually um, loan. Yeah. And then they got four years to. It's like yeah, they scrape together twenty-two months later. Mom and dad fund the other twenty-two thousand, and then they got a four-year plan with mom and dad. You know, they're going to save. They're going to save up their own down payment, and uh, in four years they're they're in it.
1: Totally. Yeah. And, and that was a real thing for me is about how do we, I, I love the fact we get people moving in our homes. Don't get me wrong. There's always, there's always investors and they're a really valuable part of the market because they then provide rental property. And I think that's one thing that's lost right now is, um, w- with the change in the market, those investors disappeared overnight and they were supplying and oh yes, they're helping us keep building, but they're supplying half of the rental market here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but but for me, getting being able to enable those people, there's there's, there's the twenty somethings that I think some of them are starting to go. Oh my god, I'm never going to afford a home. Now there's an opportunity again, and and that it really mattered. I, I like I say, I, I was I was quite difficult at times, probably to deal with because I was like, no, we really need to be able to enable people to get in at a reasonable rate because we offer ten percent on our townhouses, but they're nine hundred thousand dollars, right? That that's out of that twenty somethings market
0: in a short uh, build period too.
1: Yeah. Nine months typically. So in this environment, we've now got one bed homes in the four hundreds and you know in five hundreds, and like you say, they've got three and a half, four years to save the remaining after they put the deposit down. So if they're good with the cash and just hammer the money home into the savings account, there they'll be in great shape by the time we're ready to close mm-hmm. to actually have a home.
0: Oh yeah, put away so, a thousand bucks a month. That's 48000 dollars. Yeah, that they can save. Yeah. It's it's so exciting and and for investors. Also good.
1: Well, um, it is because you can get in at 10%. So.
0: That's why, yeah. you know, people have done so well investing in pre-sale because um, of leverage. You yeah. know, they they make their uh, deposit with the developer and then they enjoy um, the appreciation on the full value of the home, you yeah. know, each year for the whole construction period. So, say four years. And that's been amazing. A lot of people have have made a great start or built a lot of wealth investing in pre-sale condos. But it's the amount of that deposit that's the most important part of Mm -hmm. that math. And when it's only 10%, um, people, the market only has to go up 2.5% per year, uh, which is a very low number, in order for them to double their equity in their home over the four years. And if it goes up 5% per year, which is a pretty reasonable number, pretty average number, um, they'll triple their equity in four years. And the reality is that the market might even do better because we're in a low right now. So the timing is probably pretty good.
1: I was just going to say, who knows? I mean, everyone's working to get inflation down and everything else so the interest rates can come off. And I'd like to think, like you say, in, in three and a half, four years, we're back at a, a lower rate. And people are, that's, a, a, that's even more advantageous for them. The other thing that, that blows me, as, keeps blowing me away is how they keep talking out. there's a whole group of people that through COVID weren't spending money. And uh, I was reading an article just last week about, and they call it soft saving, Which, and when they explain it, it's not safe saving at all, but what they're actually doing is they're they're giving up on the hope of a home. They've got these savings, so they're using it on nice travel or uh, just other experiences, which is great, or or spending a bit more on clothing because they've got this savings. Well, now, and that's because they couldn't afford to get in, and again, so now we've got an offering where they can actually afford to get into the property ladder and Mm -hmm. actually start homeowning again yeah it's it's yeah. just amazing,
0: other than the the sort of competitiveness you know you had four major banks interested in, mm-hmm. in being in on the deal. um how did you do it? like a normally uh, uh they're more strict you know they got more strict lately even mm-hmm. with developers in terms of the deposits that they need to see. Um, how did you convince them to accept ten?
1: um well. I think, I so I'm going to be quite frank with you. I don't deal day-to-day with the finance. That's run through corporate. Again, strength of Colico. Mm -hmm. Um, The amount of projects we've got going nationwide and even down through Texas, and then they're involved in some other investments as well uh, and other rental things in the States too. The finance team spends a lot of time working with those main banks. They've got some other lenders too, but there's kind of the key four they go to. They do spend a lot of time not just nurturing them, but also just showing them what's going on, showing them that they've got a good team at the helm. So the, there has to be a trust, right? I guess that's what I'm getting at. And and just demonstrating the bank that that we, we have that trust with them. They have that trust with us because we deliver on what we say we're going to do. So even when the market goes wobbly, we've been able to keep going. Um, and part of that's about being able to react. So although we're a very big company, we're quite dynamic. We You know, when COVID hit, we were able to react very quickly. Um, we didn't do the mass layoff thing we asked a couple of people to work 3 days a week we sent everybody home but we, we kept rolling and again after 73 years, 73 years they've they've got that rhythm and whilst our market might be slightly more volatile now there's other markets that are more stable alberta for example and there'll be times when it flips but as a whole that means the the banks see this this bigger broader stability mm. and so as a result of it that trust meant that they they they're like yeah yeah. You know, we 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 demonstrated to them that you know, the banks come out and see what we're up to every year and, and do tours and that's great. And I actually I want them to. I want to, to demonstrate that we're walking the walk as well as talking the talk. And and so we're able to demonstrate we, we've got the, the expertise in house to do this. We we deliver so we show them finished product, we show them construction sites so they know that we can see they can see how we're doing it. Um, you know, I provide monthly updates to head office, for example, they can see that we're selling and um, I think all of those things combined, plus the bank's broader view of more than I have of what Qualico is doing on a financial level, probably meant that, they're like, yeah, if there's one place to take this.
0: When a construction lender gives uh, money to a developer to build a building,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, related to the deposit, though, they must, they obviously have a lot of confidence in Qualico, but with uh, only a 10% deposit, do, do they worry about the market going down 15% and, and people not completing?
1: I think that's something we all have to consider all the time. The, I mean, the market does move around, right? Um, there's, there's, there's elements. Even Benjamin Tal this week, it's like you know, the geopolitical stuff can change overnight. Um, that could change the factor. It is a risk, but that risk exists whether you have put fifteen or twenty percent too, right? Does that, um,
0: does that, is that uh, have anything to do with Qualico? Um, like what we talked about earlier, it's uh, it's very unique in the industry that a buyer gets to buy a home directly from Qualico Streetside, the mothership. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that 73-year-old company is put behind, you know, standing behind every single sale versus, um, which is very normal in the industry, that a developer sets up a company that sounds something like, um, you know, 123 Avenue, yeah. the developer name limited. Um, a purpose-built sort of company that only does that one development. Yeah. Um, but when a construction lender lends a developer money to build a building, um, is that? Are they lending the uh, that specific development entity the money, or is that kind of debt always sort of underwritten or secured by some the mothership or, or something I, else? Yeah,
1: so it, it's it's always lent to Streetside BC, mm. but there is uh, obviously an equity involvement, uh, and then there is an underwriting as well, uh, Qualico Canada. Um, but Qualico Canada uh, is a a substantial well-positioned company. Like I say, we have income properties, so there's other components that that give us that strength.
0: Generally when a development has, um, you know, a lot of developers usually nowadays uh, ensure the buyer's deposits and they're able to kind of use it as equity towards the project. Mm-hmm. It requires less equity from the developer themselves because yeah. they can insure and then use those deposits. But when your deposits are smaller, I guess it requires you to put in more equity than you otherwise would.
1: It does, yeah. yes. Um, we we will we will obviously uh, do uh, in uh, deposit insurance DPI, um, and it's suddenly something a tool we use because, like I say, even across townhouses we do ten percent deposits. So we do use the the DPI process to allow us to to manage that equity relationship. Um, the I should say, I mean, for anyone listening, the the DPI is an insurance function. So it's not just lost money. You know, if we chose to not proceed, you'd get all your money back. And that's what the DPI insurance piece does. But we do do that to um, offset some of those costs until we're ready to pull full financing, yes.
0: Well, it's, from what I understand, it's cheap money for a developer. It
1: it is. The cost
0: of the insurance is very low.
1: Yeah. And in order to make an offering like this, work, we have to... Plan out within our financing plan for that piece as we go down the road. Otherwise, we're bearing all that cost, which then impacts the affordability. Mm-hmm. You know, if we weren't to do this, the prices would be a bit more mm-hmm. because we'd have to borrow more to get that right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part too is the pre-sale function, right? So we've we've got sort of two thresholds. We need to get to fifty percent to, and then sixty percent. That's unique too. But again, I mean. That's the bank offering that. Uh, that was that was a, a big win. Um, it's such a good deal. It, it is, <laughs> and the reason I hesitate because it is somewhat unique in today's market and today's environment, and that makes it exceptional for us. The fact we've been able to get this, it is a great deal. And again, it's a cliche, right? You, it, it sounds cliched, but it is. Um, and and I I don't, I can't think of any other situation that exists right now in in condo offerings. Where it's that stronger offering, so it's so good, yeah, it's so good
0: that uh well, first of all, thank you for doing it. thanks for contributing the extra equity to make it available for buyers. It's just an unbelievable, unbelievable offering, but it's so unique that a um a very well known developer called me just today actually and said, "How are they doing that exactly
1: <laughs> uh, I'm not uh, yeah <laughs> you know uh, there's some hesitancy. I'm not gonna say everything we've done, but uh yeah, uh, it's not just me um I'm not taking all the credit. Like I say, I was obstinate about the percent because I really knew it was significant, but, uh, we're very lucky to have that size team and that relationship with the banks, that trust with the banks. But, but also the other part is, uh, the support of my boss, Gary, but also the support from my corporate, our senior executive, you know, Kevin Vang, Kevin Kamida, actually having that trust in us too. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, you know, in the last four years, we've delivered on what we said we're going to do, and we, we've demonstrated how we're going to deliver on this, and we are delivering. You know, mm-hmm. we've got a, a cell center that starts up next week for real, but it's already there for us. We're in the, in it today, and everything, and it's, you know, we're 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 getting there, and it's 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 really exciting. I I can't wait to. uh it's so interesting in
0: to see all the ways that it does benefit buyers. Like normally a developer building a tower doesn't have the finance team that you've got mm-hmm. leveraging uh, a well diversified geographically diversified company that is Qualico and it's 73 year history to yeah. get this kind of deal. Yeah. It turns into a, an amazing offering for buyers. It is. Yeah. So what the, what's your vision for street side?
1: Uh, so there's, there's a couple of different visions um, here in B.C., it, uh, we are always going to build wood frame. Um, I, I'd always like to be in, in the affordability bracket, but we say that with inverted commas these days because it's is, is an eight hundred or $900,000 townhome affordable. It's not as affordable as it used to be, but in the realm of things, it's still reachable. Um, and so from that side, yeah, to always be able to build homes people can afford to move into. We... Uh, I think we are well positioned to, to see growth. We've got a long pipeline. I want to, the vision is definitely for me is to, to build and strengthen and maintain that pipeline so that, uh, up and as a result of it, our presence stays here, but it, part of it's about my team, you know, um, the people that help get this done. Uh, you know, I, I I'm just the voice at the head of this, but there's, a, there's an amazing team working behind me and working hard every day. Um, It's about being able to actually, to a degree, offer them security so that they feel uh, secure enough to stay and invest in us. But then as a result of it, that investment yields projects like Porter Mill and the Avid School, because the team's invested in that output too. So that then builds success in itself. And there's a pride, right? So so being proud and and doing it. The The other visions, got to address sustainability. Uh I am passionate about it. Um I I <laughs> I have been pushing the team and we are working to, for example, uh we've got a small condo here in Vancouver Bailey. It's gonna be a step for energy step code home under part three. But you know, we're about to launch our first net zero ready townhouses. We're all gonna have to get there, and I'm trying to figure out how we get there and just trying to push everyone to to stay at the front edge of it all. Um but the carbon piece is coming in too. And I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I guess I always had a bit of a passion for it. But when my kids were born, I suddenly realized I need to think about a world that I'm leaving beyond me. What what's I, what am I leaving for the next generation? And that had a real profound impact. And I was very lucky at concert that uh, Brian McCauley, Dave Paul Moore supported that. And they're like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And we all got into building legal buildings and we embraced it. And they invested in in me learning about it and i i've I think I've continued that passion, so we're constantly trying to stay ahead of not just ahead of our competitions but ahead of the minimum, so that we're offering the best value homes we've got to now address carbon, and now it's initially carbon emissions, but we're going to move into embodied carbon that's you know whatever's in the product and and so we're actually starting and when I said to my team, "This is the next step, what are you going to do?" I thought I might have to push them a bit like I had early on. I actually had a few of the development managers come to me and say, this is what I want to do. It's like, tell me more. And they actually went and looked up and and they figured out, okay, step four of the carbon code, there's only four steps in it, is an all-electric home right now. I I don't know what's happening with Fortis and their application for their low-carbon natural gas, renewable natural gas, sorry, things. They're kind of stuck with BCUC, and that's not my fight. So we're building homes right now where we've elected to go all electric. And part of it was because those development managers said, look, I I can get the same revenues, but we can provide a home. So these homes will have induction cooktops, which is next generation cooktops. They'll have heat pumps. So they've got heating and cooling, which in a townhouse or a condo means better comfort. They've got heat pump hot water tanks in townhouses. So this is next generation. Uh, It's going back to the old tanks, but... I've put one in my own home. They're actually pretty impressive. Um, And they figured out how to do it. They figured the development team went away and with the consultants figured out, okay, how do we get ducting back into townhouses that we'd fine tuned into baseboard heating and stuff? And they've done it. And I take my hat off to them. So our net zero ready townhouses will be step five on the energy step code, step four on the carbon code. We've got Bailey being built. Step four on the carbon code. We've got a Project Heartwood in Coquitlam. And the last phase of boroughs are all going to be up there. Step four on the carbon code because we've switched toward all this electric. So what I'm finding is there's a bit of an inertia. And one of the visions is I'm not, we're not going to become some, you know, all passive house company. The, the, the passive house costs are quite considerable. But I do think that there's a drive beyond me now in the team. And so I want to be able to support them to be building those those better homes. Um, I haven't written off Fortis, but right now, if we're going to get to that higher carbon, and it's because my team said, hey, this is, this is you know, some of the, I've got a younger team, a lot of them have got young ones, they're probably looking at the same way I did when my kids were born and going, what am I, what am I doing for them? And so the fact that they came to me saying, I want to do this and it, uh, this is how I'm going to do it, I was like, go do it. So I want to encourage that and there'll be more. Our next wrestle will be embodied carbon. I have, to be honest with you, I have no idea where that's going. Like we, we don't manufacture anything here, right? So um friend of mine's a CFO look at an
0: opportunity with a company that captures carbon from the atmosphere and puts it in concrete.
1: hmm Yes. That? Carbon consuming concrete, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, concrete's that's the big thing right now, is uh and I'm actually I'd love to know more about it. And and in the midterm I can see us using low carbon concrete of some form or other, mm-hmm. or carbon consuming concrete because I'm going to get it slightly wrong, probably, and somebody will ring in, but a cubic yard of concrete emits a cubic ton of GHDs. Emits? Yeah. So in the, the, the process of manufacturing and making a cubic yard of concrete gives off one ton of, of greenhouse gases. So it, that's the, the materials themselves, the extraction, the mining, the trucking, the energy used to make it, the energy used to produce it, and then the off-gassing. So anything that turns that around makes it better.
0: Yeah. It's terrible.
1: Yeah. I mean and and we may have shifted a bit beyond. I mean, that's that's data from five or ten years ago. But the 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 switch to uh addressing concrete may allow us to keep doing what we know, which is building concrete buildings. Mm-hmm. And in our in our environment here, that that that's a solid building. Um when you're above six floors and who knows what happens with wood. Uh I know the mass timber Brock Commons; they got to eighteen floors. Um, the the shame with that building is it's got three layers of drywall on every piece of wood, so that they met fire ratings. I understand that that wasn't the the battle to be had; it was proving that you could build these mass timber components, put them together like Lego, and be done in six weeks. And they achieved that. But there's there's something textural. I mean, we're we're sitting in your office, and you've got first growth fir beams. You've got uh, actually an old form of a uh, laminated uh, flooring. You've got brick walls. There are things I don't know about you, but I touch. I walk along and run my hands along materials like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't touch concrete. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah, it's we're going off down a sustainability, but also a textural thing here. Yeah. But yeah, so there, there's certainly some visions about you know being able to build affordable homes. It's one of the things I love about the
0: industry. You know, it's I love the scale of it. It's mm-hmm. uh, but there's also so much room to improve. Frankly, like yeah. it's just such a big thing, and it's, uh, um, and these type of opportunities to figure out how to build buildings, you know, in a more environmentally friendly way is is such a massive opportunity. Yeah, and I personally love the idea, the challenge of getting the market to understand it and why it's important and, and ultimately to to pay for it, mm-hmm. you know, to want to pay for it, to choose it.
1: That's the hard part right now is people aren't prepared to pay for it. They'll take it if it's there, but I'm hoping that people start to see the benefit. Uh, and there was an article last year, actually prompted one of my development managers start down this about the cooktops. We were putting in gas cooktops over because that's what the market wanted. And there was an article about the amount of particulates that come out of burning on a gas cooktop. And he's like, Oh my God, my family has that. And I've got two little ones and I, I I need to do something else. I'm like, okay, well, there is induction. And he went off and looked at it and he came back and said, yeah, we've got to do induction. Mm-hmm. So our challenge now is, is persuading some buyers why this is so good. Oh, I, it's better. I, it is. It's incredible. I've, I've put one in at home and um, it is very different. You know, you literally boil a pan of water in 60, 90 seconds. Uh, and you know, my daughter's 15 and every now and then gets distracted by a phone while the pans on. Mm-hmm. And, and in the old days, it wouldn't matter. She could be on Instagram or whatever it is for five minutes. And the thing wouldn't have boiled on a gas top. And now it's like, uh, you need to deal with your pan. It's boiling over. Oh yeah. And it's literally 60 seconds later. So she might've got, I don't know, two TikToks in in something. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, the other way to look at that with that is, A, there's no emissions off an induction top, but B, think about the energy you save by only running it on max for a minute versus five minutes. It's It actually adds up. I don't know how you can measure all that.
0: Um, you know, there's there's so many performance benefits of it, uh, yeah. and but that's almost secondary in importance, and I think that's where a lot of marketers miss. They focus on the sort of the features and the benefits of what, that type of equipment or that sort of building design or materials, mm-hmm. um, you know, what the what the actual sort of features and benefits are. And they miss the big thing. And that is the way it's what, what people care about more than that is how they how they look or how they feel about themselves. You know, people yeah. want to be uh, they want to do the right thing. They want to potentially be seen as a leader or they want to be um, they just want to be part of the solution of the world and not part of the problem, that kind of thing once you know when a marketing team or, or whatever gets that part of it figured out when they when they get people to identify making this choice to buy a home designed and built with these materials with this type of equipment, um, once they get people sort of wanting to do that because that's a statement uh, about who they are as a person, then all of the features and benefit stuff are just kind of like the nice to have. They're kind of like the bonus, but the main thing I think that that's often missed is is making people feel, really good about it like yeah. they're right that they're good people doing the right thing
1: it's funny you say that i mean i agree with you there isn't a measure of some of the best values another one i keep telling everyone about which i've noticed especially once you get up into of step three homes but certainly at step four and five uh, with the added insulation is how much quieter your homes are coming we've got improved glazing systems and you can be standing in a project in a townhouse or a condo project and you're in one home and the windows are shut the construction's just straight across the way and you open the window and you can hear all these machines, close it again, it's quiet. And there's something really important for our psychology and our, our just our internal DNA to have quiet space. And as we get li- start to live in a more dense environment with more and more going on around us, the ability to find that space and that mental freedom and that, that ability to to be calm is actually really valuable. And I don't think people realize how important it is. I don't live downtown. Um, and I can tell you when I stay downtown in a hotel, the damn sirens drive me nuts. But the glazing systems on all these hotels, you know, wall to ceiling, glass and everything mean that that sound's going to come in. And so these better performing systems are going to make a difference. Yeah.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing what you do with it. I th- You seem obviously so passionate, but you're probably <laughs> going to make it part of what street side becomes known for, you know, above wow. the the value, the the customer service and all that stuff.
1: Well, it's funny. I hope so, actually. Um, there's a indirect relationship between these high-performing homes and quality, too, because you're building a better home. It's going to be more robust. It'll stand better to the environment, which makes it more comfortable. And there's a, an underlying piece that indirectly comes from it, and that's value, right? It's going to hold value better because it's going to perform better in the long term, too, Um and don't get me wrong, I, like everybody else, is going into some of these things, eyes wide open, some of these new technologies, uh, out insulation versus insulation and and moisture and all of those other functions we have here in the low-main are things we are not taking lightly. A um, lot of debate you know, when we move to out, so outboard insulation and, uh, and everything. A lot of debate about uh, what happens from a building envelope standpoint, for example. So yeah, we we are definitely trying to make sure that we're not putting ourselves or or the homeowners at risk of having something that's not going to work. So it's it's treading carefully but trying to move forwards. Mm-hmm. But I think then, I'd like to think then the homeowners see a value in what we're offering, and and like I say, I I want to see our homes occupied and and people happy. Yeah. Well, thanks.
0: This has been oh. great. Thank you so much. Your team's been amazing to work with, by the way. I just thanks, uh, enjoyed it so much, including yourself and. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. My team has enjoyed it so much too.
1: Well, you know, we've been working on this for a while in the background, and yeah, I, I think we've got an excellent offering, and that that's a function of the partnership with the two teams. It's not just my team, and I'm not taking any credit. You know, there's a group within uh, within StreetSide who have done all the work, mm-hmm. and and but there's conversely a group within your team that have done the work too. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm I'm looking forward to next week and the launch, and and then we'll have our uh, our internal event, and I think. We'll find the whole Colico team quite excited by it too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's been awesome. You're a level five leader. Do you know what that is? I don't. No, it's a good thing.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's not 500 <laughs> Same With 10. hesitation. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. No. Is that Google thing. Stars or? Uh... <laughs> no,
0: it's, uh, I'll tell you later. It's, yeah. uh, it's a good thing.
1: Well, thank you. Have a good weekend. Cam, you too. Thanks.